0: Hey there, how's it going? Hey, this is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where we talk about the games we've been playing recently. Except for this episode is week 52, which means we're going to talk about our biggest surprises of gaming in 2021. And on this episode are The Meeple Dungeon, Dice and Dragons, All You Can Board, definitely a board game podcast. Board on the Air, The Tabletop Bellhop, Borden Games, Mozart Games, Friday Night Games, and Cardboard Conjecture. And please check out the show notes for the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. Sit back and enjoy.
1: Hello, everybody. It's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast for the 52nd straight week. We have not missed a single episode ever. And
2: I can't even believe it's been 52 weeks. It's been a year already. That's gone by
1: so it's fast. It's bizarre That's that crazy. it's been a year already. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for having us on the show, guys. This has been... A lot of fun and so helped much us fun. kick off our own podcast, the Meeple Dungeon the Meeple Podcast. Dungeon. <laughs> yes. So we're gonna drop our twentieth episode later this week. Yeah. With our top ten games from twenty twenty one. So yeah, you can catch that. Uh we'll probably have it dropped by Thursday or Friday. Yeah. But we are here to talk about our biggest surprise games of the year. And this one so I'm gonna go first. Kay. Um this game was a surprise to be sure uh, but especially because i didn't even know it was released and this game just showed up at when i was playing games with uh our friend aaron and he just brought it out to finish off one of our game sessions and so this game is from Repos productions and this is so clover oh that game is so
2: much yes. fun <laughs> So close. Yeah, we so went out and bought it right away after did, he came instantly. back and told
1: me about it. <laughs> yes. So Repos also makes, well, one of the greatest party games, I guess you call it. Just one. Uh, ever. Just one. Yeah. Um, so most people have played that. But then they came up with this game. I didn't even know they were making this game. I hadn't even no. heard anything about it until it just showed up on the table. And it looks goofy on the outset where yes. you've got these shamrock plastic things and you're writing words on it, but it's absolutely hilarious because you're taking these (laughs) little squares and you're throwing them on on the shamrock and the squares have four letters each and you're you're putting them onto the square in random order. So one uh, word is on each tip of the four-leaf clover and then you've got to match up those words together and make another single word out of those two (laughs) words and get people to guess why you came up with that word because you're gonna remove the words off the four-leaf clover and they only have the four words to oh, go yeah. off of. and it's so yeah. funny. you're gonna have these four random words that you have to try to piece together back the uh the original words in it's order
2: really awkward to explain without a visual oh, it but, it's but it's super fun <laughs> so good if you
1: like if you like uh just one you this, love I this think one. is even better it's, it's so better good. for me i think it's it's funnier to be sure um, because you come up with hilarious little yeah. words to connect these random words, and it's so fun. But it's yes, so so that's good. my biggest surprise of twenty twenty one was "soak over" from Repos.
2: Nice. Okay. Well, I didn't. I thought it was like your biggest surprise, so I kind of went in a different direction, and I also cheated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have more Sounds than about one right. Yeah. Yeah. But so, for my first surprise of twenty twenty one, I never thought I would be on a podcast. It's <laughs>
1: yeah, true. It's um
2: yeah. Yeah, it's so far out of my typical wheelhouse. Um yeah, this year I've uh I've not only been a regular on the What You've Been Playing Wednesday podcast since the beginning, the beginning of January, um, we also started our own podcast, like you mentioned earlier, on the Meeple Dungeon.
1: (laughs) That is probably the biggest surprise of the year, yes. Yeah,
2: so I'm on two podcasts, and you know, on top of that, we've also guested on other podcasts. We have. Like with Dice and Dragons on their YouTube channel, with Friday Night Games and the last Space Game Standing. You're right. Um, We did with Cardboard (laughs) Conjecture, the hype train, Yep. so (laughs) this has been such a huge surprise for me me and something I am enjoying so much and I'm so thankful for. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to Cardboard Conjecture for helping um, start me down this road of content <laughs> creation. Yes. So I'm sure Rob thanks you too because oh, absolutely. he's been trying to get me to start a podcast for a while and this has given me the the little push that I needed. Yeah, But yeah, so that's my,
1: that's my, um, my first surprise. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So, but you get you're doing a cheater thing and getting another one. Yeah. Okay. So
2: it's kind of funny. This is this uh, game. So this is a game that totally surprised me. And it surprised me for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I I saw it uh, as a pre-order at our local game store. And I was interested in it. And I told you about it. But again, I didn't show it to you. I just told you. <clears throat> and then you kind of heard about it too. And you looked into it. And you were gung-ho on it. Um, this game is uh, and a shameless plug here. We actually reviewed this on our last Meeple Dungeon uh, podcast <laughs> episode. So, go take a look if you want to hear oh, or cool. listen if you want to yes. hear more. But this game is Brian Brew. High King High King of Ireland. <laughs> yes. Forgive that. I had to. <laughs> um, but spoiler, I love this game. It includes uh, it includes card drafting. Area control and trick taking. Yes, crazy, crazy things to combine, and it is so much fun. But um, it just has so many neat elements, and I was so pleasantly surprised with it. So yeah, you're not wrong there. My surprise Um,
1: there. Yeah, it is unbelievably good game, and we did we did review it, like she said on our last episode. We posted earlier this week. If you want to hear all about it, there, it is a fantastic game. It's so good. Um, not as big of a surprise for me because I had high hopes for it. Just because of the art I thought it was going to be like Inish. <laughs> I don't, and it's not even from the same production company or anything. You're not even the same artist.
2: I wasn't so surprised that it was good. I was more surprised. I wasn't expecting those three elements together. Like having the trick taking nope. and, yeah, right. and the card drafting and the <sighs> area control. Like area control is not usually my favorite but those three together just
1: work so well for me. Yeah, it sounded like how on earth are they going to make this work and yeah. oh do they ever. Yeah. But yes, you should go listen to our review of yeah. it. and since you cheated I'm going to go ahead <laughs> I'll and allow it <laughs> because I had was juggling between two games as to my biggest surprise so Clover doesn't surprise me now that I look back on it that's like well if, if it was as good as as uh, just one you know it, it yeah. doesn't surprise me because they knocked it out of the park with oh, just for one sure. but the game just came out of nowhere for me Yeah, this one um, is a game that I did take a big chance on Okay, I saw it um, up for pre-order okay. and I was like, oh, I just love the theme and it just, I don't know, this could be like a huge bomb. Like it had, like I don't know, not a bomb but it just when you go with certain IPs yeah. it seems like sometimes it's just like, mm, is this going to be any good? It right? falls flat. Yeah, because I mean IP games have come a huge oh, yeah. distance compared to like if you're trying trying to buy an IP game back in like the early yeah. 2000s or late 90s, they weren't up to snuff. Yes. But now they are, and that is proved with this game. <laughs> and this comes from uh, Renegade Games, and this is the Transformers deck-building game. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I saw this pre-order, and I like, oh, I love Transformers. I love nostalgia. I love all the cartoons I l- used to watch when I was a kid. And they had a G.I. Joe <laughs> game released at the same time, Yeah, and a Power Rangers game. And I'm not a huge Power Rangers fan. Yeah. Uh, that was just, I was just getting out of that kind of stuff when yep. they were kind of popular. Me but too. G.I. Joe and Transformers were right up my alley. And I decided to go with the Transformers because I liked them slightly more than the G.I. Joe. And I just wanted to taste to see if these games are going to be any good. And this one was awesome. Yeah. And we've only just been playing that over the last couple nights. With the soundtrack for the Transformers
2: yes. movie going on in the yes. background. It's awesome. Exactly.
1: <laughs> we have the, you know, the soundtrack going in the background the whole time. And this game did not disappoint. It. Um, was way better than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be fine, yeah. but this was really, really fun for it me. It was really fun. Um, I would agree with that. It had a little uh, bit of a learning curve. Yes. You wouldn't think it would have one, but it does because the rule book is a little tricky to, na- to, na- to navigate because of yeah. it's got cooperative and competitive play and, and it kind of mixes things and, up. And it's yeah. a little tricky to, to figure out what you're supposed to do. But once you figure it out, it is a lot of fun. So yeah. that... Is my other biggest surprise of the year.
2: And um, I actually have one more. <laughs> okay. So this, just because if I'm cheating, I might as well go all out. Sure. Um, this is not a game I have played. This is a game that was announced this year. So it, hmm. it was a, the biggest surprise for me because I wasn't expecting it. Okay. Um, this is Jurassic World. Yes. The legacy oh of goodness. Isla Nublar. It's a legacy game coming to Kickstarter, I believe. Yeah. In uh, 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And like our whole family loves dinosaurs and their Jurassic Park franchise. So the thought of playing oh, a legacy absolutely. game with dinosaurs and the whole family is super exciting. And it was just yeah, 100%
1: surprised I agree. me. Cannot wait for that one. We'll do a mega review of that one when oh, it comes yeah. out.
3: But, but we yeah, are we're third... beyond our time limit <laughs> here. But,
1: but we don't care because we have a perfect record. So <laughs> we can do what we want. <laughs> this is my show now. <laughs> <laughs> But uh yeah we're we're going to run and we will see you in 2022. Uh have a happy new year. Cheers.
4: See ya.
3: What up, gamers? I'm Jason.
4: I'm Julie, and together we're Dice and Dragons. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram at Dice and Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson and Dragon.
3: And what is it today, Julie? It's
4: what you've been playing Wednesdays.
3: And on this special episode, we're going to be talking about our biggest surprise of 2021. And I don't think we really had a specific game that was our biggest surprise. Last year, we definitely had one, but that was 2020. This year we played quite a few different games and we had, I think, a much better time than either of us expected to have with uh, the genre. So what games... The genre, well, deck building games and even just competitive card games in general. I'd like to say, you know, Red Rising is a deck building game, but it really isn't. Not building a deck of cards, but you are acquiring and purchasing cards and playing cards. So maybe a deck building game? I don't know. I don't think it really falls in the category.
4: No, I don't think so either. But I I would say I was surprised by how many competitive games I enjoyed. Because, I mean, I make no secret about the fact that I don't love competitive games, especially not when I'm playing uh, one-on-one against you. Um, Because, you know, we're both very competitive and I'm not a very good... I'm a sore loser. I'm just going to (laughs) be honest about it. So uh, I prefer playing cooperative games with you but you know uh, for some particular reason this year we had a lot of competitive games to play and review and I think the biggest surprise for me was uh, Arnak. Uh, I I, you know like you kept telling me how many competitive games we're going to play and this one I actually had a lot of fun. I actually think I beat you every time. I don't think you won a game. I did win
3: Arnak. You beat me. I think we played about five or six times and you beat me. I think four out of the six because the one time that I beat you, you were very upset because I made my very slim deck and I kept flying my airplane every turn and you're like, I hate your stupid airplane <laughs> because I got it down to like me drawing my whole deck every single turn and you thought that was really annoying.
4: Yes, I remember that now.
3: <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We also had a great time with Dune Imperium, which also has a heavy amount of conflict in the game, which is something that typically turns you off uh, as well. In certain uh, in certain games, you don't always mind uh, having direct conflict, but thinking about the Star Wars Rebellion, that didn't go over as well as I have thought it would and just the way the combat mechanics yeah worked. I
4: didn't love Dune as much as Arnak though
3: no but you enjoyed Dune you actually beat me most times in Dune as well but what I was saying is you didn't mind the combat element it was not the type of thing that offended you because the fact that all players had to participate it was an integral part of the game but it's something you could plan around losing or plan around winning really gave you a lot of freedom and didn't doesn't throw it like in your face in a negative way it's not the thing the end-all be-all of the game. Agreed. And then we also had a lot of fun, like I said earlier, with Red Rising. I mean, I think Red Rising and uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak are are going to be making our top uh, top games of 2021. I know that Dune Imperium is on that list as well. And considering, as you said, that we are primarily cooperative gamers... I was looking at our list, and uh, it should be coming out potentially this week, maybe even the, the week after. Not quite sure. We gotta find some time to put it all together, but it will be coming out shortly. There are a lot of competitive games on the list, a lot more than which is why, for me, I am years. surprised
4: that there's so many competitive games that I that I enjoyed. But Arnak uh, really rose to the surface. I think I I don't know if it's a theme. It's a little bit Indiana Jonesy. Maybe that's why I liked it so much.
3: Well, we did see a lot of really good thematic competitive games that came out this year, and that's really something that you and I have always been big on is games with a lot of theme to get behind uh, the mechanics Good table presence too. Yes, we have a lot of games with really nice table presence. That's why I can't wait for Rise of Ix to hit Canada so we can get Dune Imperium back on the table with the upgrade back. So much nicer uh, table presence than what we had. We also got a nice little upgrade from some friends for Lost Ruins of Arnak. That's another one we're waiting for an expansion for. So I guarantee you those will be some of the first things that we review in 2021 are the expansions for both of those games. I just really think in 2021 has been a, a great year where we've seen increased player interaction in a lot of different styles of games, but a lot less take that. Or for example, in Dune, the take that elements are really limited to one aspect of the game that you're able to plan around. And because everyone's included, it doesn't feel like you're knocking someone down a peg and it doesn't have that same level of confrontation that it would in, say, a game like Munchkin, where the whole thing is just take that. Agreed. We've had a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to what's coming in 2022. We've got some really cool stuff on the way, some stuff I'm hoping that would ship really soon. And just to give you a preview as to what you can expect to see see coming uh, from us in the next uh, couple of weeks, well, we're going to be talking about the Goonies Coded Chronicles game. We've got Uprising... Curse of the Last Emperor coming from Nemesis Games, a Kickstarter that is a 4X game, but a cooperative 4X game, so how the heck could I pass that up? Plus a whole bunch of other Kickstarters that have arrived recently, so we're just looking forward to continuing on with this in 2022 and getting some more competitive games played because there's been some great ones and hopefully we're going to get some some more. We even have the other Dune game, a game of conquest and diplomacy, but uh, not so sure how that one's going to go over.
4: Yeah, conquest and diplomacy. I think you just lost a little bit of interest from me here.
3: Well, we'll find out when we get it to the table.
4: So in the meantime, what are we going to do, Jason?
3: We're going to remind everyone to keep keep playing playing games. games.
5: everyone dylan here from all you can board back with my cousin carlo and we are uh normally we would be talking about what we've been playing on what you've been playing wednesdays but this is a special episode where we're talking about our biggest surprises from 2021 and so i'm going to kick things off with my biggest surprise and that is biblios quill and parchment uh from steve finn dr finn's games so we are big fans of the original biblios uh spoiler alert it's featured at different spots on both of our top 50 uh, games of all time which we're doing on on our youtube channel right now um and this is a roll and write implementation of that so mm <laughs> I was really skeptical about this because of how much I love Biblios and the fact that in other instances, games that have you know been converted to a roll and write or been converted to another genre, it's sometimes felt like a bit of a, you know, a cash in, in different ways to, to, to milk sort of a popular game or a popular title. Um, so I didn't have lots of expectations. I was just curious about how it was gonna be implemented. And it turns out I absolutely love this roll and write game. So I played it solo first, then I played a three player version of it, and both were good in completely different ways because when you play solo, you lose a bit of the auctioning type element that is translated over from the original Biblios, and in the three player version it's alive and well, uh, and it was so much fun um, the amount of decisions that you had to make for a roll and game was really surprising and the fact that you have a limited amount that you can do in the, the bidding process the auctioning process um, to, to use, and it's based on the dice rolls you've accumulated in sort of the first phase of the game is really, really interesting, and the fact that they were able to translate the two phases of Biblios into like not the exact translations, but um, keeping the essence of two different phases in a and right and have them function in a way that still felt mean and difficult, not nearly as mean and as, uh, you know, grueling decisions as the original Biblios. But for a and right, we looked at each other a couple times when we were playing across the table and said, man, like this is, it's finding a way to... to capture at least part of the essence of what made Biblios such a game where you would just like bury your face in your hands and go, Oh my God, like what am I gonna do for a decision here? Oh my God, what are you holding in your hands? Those kind of things were translated somewhat well, I would say, into into the roll right, but enough that it made for a really interesting roll right experience. The the components are really nice. Like it was really uh, great to handle all the dice. Um and uh, you know, it, it felt close throughout the entire game. So even when you get down to those last few turns I I, I guess my game specifically when I played three players, I I felt like I was out of it, but it turned out that I wasn't as out of it as I, as I thought I was, but also I I could identify what I did in in the first phase that, that cost me and and uh you know for a game that involves dice it's not quite as luck based as you might think so as a fan of of rolling rights in general and i play a whole lot of them um i was surprised that this one brought so many unique things to the table but the biggest surprise to me was just how well they took a concept like biblios that i love and found a way to put it into a new game and not ruin it um but also actually make it be one that i want to come back to a whole bunch of times
6: Yeah, I'm happy to see you mentioning this one. This was a big surprise for me, too. It was probably my number two most surprising game of the year, and uh, honestly, this has a chance to end up being one of my favorite rolling rights. Like, it does... Like, we really like those, you know, that's pretty clever and twice as clever and stuff, but those games are just, like, there's no theme. You're just rolling dice and doing combos. They are pretty straightforward. They can be addictive, Um, but this Quill and Parchment has a lot of different sections on your sheet that you're doing stuff with, Um, but it also plays in a very quick time. I remember afterwards we were thinking, like, now that we know how to play, we could probably play this in, like, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes sort of thing. I'm really eager to go back to this, and I think anyone who, uh, you know, has, has considered it should definitely give this a shot. All right, and now I'm going to be talking about uh, my biggest surprise of 2021, which is a two-player-only game called Great Plains. So this is uh, co-designed by Trevor Benjamin and Brett J. Gilbert. I haven't actually played anything by uh, Brett Gilbert, but I have played Undaunted uh, North Africa, which uh, Trevor Benjamin's one of the co-designers of. This is published by Lookout Spiel in their sort of two-player-only catalog, and that was what initially caught my eye. Uh, They've previously done Patchwork and some other games that have been spoken pretty highly of, like Mandala, which I haven't played. Um, But I took a chance on this game. I bought it. It sat on my shelf fun, played for a few months. Um, and then obviously Dylan, when you came over a few weeks ago, we got to try this out. And I was totally blown away by this game. It's only got two or three pages of rules. It's a very simple little abstract game with a theme of kind of like these, um, these tribal tokens that you're placing on the board. One player is playing as the foxes, the other player is the snakes. Uh, you don't have any like special abilities or whatever. Those are just the tokens that it represents. And you're basically fighting over, it's got the, all the scoring comes from area majority basically, right? You've got these, uh, the, the plains and the mountains. So the mountain spots can have like caves and springs and these little things on them um, and they're kind of you can't go over the mountains um, but you start I really liked that at the start of the game there's the the caves on this kind of modular board and every player starts by putting one of their pieces next to one of the three caves and then you start from there and your basically pieces are all emerging from the caves and you're trying to get, you work your way into these different meadows and win an area majority and the scoring is simple, like wherever whoever has the most pieces in this area scores the, the full points and you're just fighting over a certain number of areas. But what makes the game interesting is there's those spots on the board where you can land on that'll have either a bear an eagle or a horse and whenever you land on one you get a token of that type and there's only three of those tokens each in the supply and then on a future turn you get to spend one of those tokens to use a special ability Uh, basically the horse allows you to move two spaces instead of one the bear um, well the eagle lets you fly over mountains and then the bear is the most interesting because it lets you push other players tokens so you can even push people off the map and get rid of their tokens completely that's basically everything about the game I was really impressed with this. I love these two-player back-and-forth abstract games. Obviously, we've played a lot of Santorini together. Um, I love two-player Carcassonne. There's a lot of these, you know, I really like Hive. And there was something that felt still unique enough about this. And we played it in about, even with the first time, opening up the rules, playing, putting away setup, and everything was probably about half an hour. I can see this being something that now we go back to and it takes 15, 20 minutes to play. And I bought it just thinking like, oh, you know, based on, you know, one of the designers I really liked Undaunted, maybe this will be cool. And after playing it, I was like, there's no way this is leaving my collection. Right now, from what I've played from 2021, it's in my top five for sure of 2021 so far. I need to play it again more to see where exactly it ranks, but this is one that's gonna be sticking around for a long time. Um, I think you enjoyed it as well, didn't you?
5: Oh, yeah, I definitely definitely loved it. And a lot because of how much it reminded me of the second phase of Fjord specifically, I obviously love that game. And this borrows a lot of things from it, adding in abilities and other things as well. But really great experience. I also saw this at the store and almost bought it on a whim just because of what I read on the back. I'm glad you did because I, I, I enjoyed it enough that it might also crack my top 10. I want to play it more to be sure. But I really, really enjoyed my time with it.
6: Nice. Yeah. Honestly, as soon as I mentioned those other comparable games, I realized I did not mention Fjords and I thought you were going to give me a hard time about it. So thanks for uh, letting me off the hook on that one. Uh, But yeah, that is Great Planes. Check it out. Um, Thank you so much for having us on once again, Cardboard Conjecture. um, And uh, we have been all you can board. Um, As of today, we've already released our 50 through 11 of our top 50 games of all time. So you can check us out on YouTube and tomorrow we'll be uh, releasing our 10 through one. So yeah, thanks again for having us and we'll see you again next week.
7: Hi, this is Royce Calverly from Definitely a Board Game Podcast. A podcast definitely about board games, except when it's not. And this is What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I want to talk to you today about my biggest surprises of 2021. What games, what news, whatever it might be that just... Shocked me to the core. I was going to talk about Micro Macro because I initially said that I didn't think there was much of a game there, and I was wrong. Micro Macro is amazing. But the biggest news for me, the biggest shock for me this year, just was a few weeks ago when Tom Vassell announced that the Dice Tower podcast was coming to an end with episode 750. The Dice Tower was not only the first board game podcast I ever listened to, uh, it was also the first podcast period that I had ever listened to. I started listening to it back in the days of Joe Stedman. I listened through Sam Healy, up to Eric Summer and all the way through Mandy and Suzanne as well. And it's just been a part of my life for so long that I, I have the hardest time with this idea that it's going to be over. Now, I know the Dice Tower has all sorts of other things going on, but for me, the podcast was always the central of the Dice Tower. And I don't know if Tom listens to this podcast. I'm sure he does. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate all of the many, many, many hours that you've spent on the air teaching me, letting me get get immersed into this hobby. I really appreciate it. I do feel like I should probably talk about a game as well, so let's talk about a game that surprised me. Just one we played today for the very first time is the G.I. Joe Deck Builder uh, from Renegade Games, designed by TC Petty III. I don't know why this one surprised me. I guess I wasn't really expecting a huge amount from it. I thought it would be a lot like the DC Deck Building game, and granted I love the DC Deck Building game, but you know, I already have that one with all the expansions and everything else there's a really interesting game here. So if you like G.I. Joe, it's fantastic. It's brilliant. The theme is so well integrated. The characters are everywhere. Uh, It's all of the nostalgic G.I. Joe love that you have for that cartoon. But the game itself is also fantastic. It's a co-op deck builder. So I'm not usually big on co-ops. This one, I really enjoy. You have the main storyline, and there are the first box comes with two storylines, and each storyline has, I believe it's 20 cards per storyline, you're going to end up using nine. So there's a lot of variability in which missions will come up into each storyline, but it does go through a specific storyline. And you have to defeat those missions. There are special characters that will pop out. Destro Baroness, Major Blood, even Cobra Commander theoretically could come out depending on what happens. You're going to have complications. So each mission is made harder by these complications. A lot of these complications are side missions that you have to do. You will be Collecting cards to both improve your own force and to be able to improve the Joes that you have, so you're collecting all the Joes. But what makes this game really, really cool, and what really surprised me how much I enjoyed this, it's almost like a little bit like a munchkin type mechanic, except done well where one person launches a mission. So they choose a vehicle, they choose uh, at least one Joe to go into the vehicle. All the vehicles have special abilities, different transport capability, et cetera. You send it off to complete the mission and everybody else can add their own Joes to that mission. And as long as you've added at least one Joe to that mission, you have Other cards that you can play to affect how the dice roll, how everything happens, and whether or not you are successful taking down that mission or not. That's the most fun part. And there's always this little bit of tension, because if you use your cards to assist somebody else, when your turn comes up, you're not going to have much. Your cards really aren't going to be there. Really cool. We did play with one major rule wrong, so I'm looking forward to trying it again with that rule corrected. But I'm really impressed. So, my biggest surprise is the end of the Dice Tower and... The GI Joe deck building game. My name is Royce Calverly. This has been Definitely a Board Game Podcast. You can find us wherever podcasts live. You can find us on Twitter at Board Definitely, on Facebook at Definitely Board. And you can email us, I guess, if you want to, at, at gmail.com. Thank you so much. It has been an amazing year. Uh, we have been so enjoyed being part of the What You've Been Playing podcast here on Cardboard Conjecture. I want to thank the folks from Cardboard Conjecture for bringing us in, for letting us participate. And just wish everyone a very, very happy holidays and an amazing 2022.
8: Hey, folks, it's Ryan here from Bridge City Board Gamers, and I'm one half of the weekly podcast Cardboard Conjecture, where we offer our opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. Be sure to check us out on our social media accounts at BC Board Gamers, and also check out our YouTube channel. Just search up Bridge City Board Gamers. Wow, 52 weeks of What You've Been Playing Wednesday, with one every week for the year 2021. That's quite a remarkable feat. And we want to thank you, every single content creator that has contributed over the past year. And thank you to every single one of you listeners out there that have joined us for all 52 weeks of this amazing Canadian produced um, content that, you know, it just takes my breath away. I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now of how successful this um, podcast has actually been. And so to celebrate 52 weeks of what you've been playing Wednesday, we're going to do a special episode of 2021 surprises. And so here's my surprise of 2021. And no, it's not the um, the new release format for Arkham Horror, the card game that came out this year, though that was a big surprise for me. And I'm really enjoying the way that they're going to do that from now on out. But actually, my biggest surprise to me for 2021 was the re-release of Ashes Reborn Rise of the Phoenix Born. Now, this is a dueling card game designed by um, Isaac Vega and put out by uh, Plat Hat Games. And it was actually a card game that kind of came to fruition way back in, a, oh, I want to say, about 2015, 2016. And it kind of died off and now it's reborn it's like just exactly what its name saying it's reborn um into this new iteration and man oh man um rob from the meeple dungeon and i absolutely fell in love with this game at the from the um very simple but yet very challenging card play mechanisms um, simple, as in you just get to do um, two things on your turn. You have to have to take a you have to take a main action, and then you may take a side action either before or after you take that main action, um, and that's all you can do for your turn. And everything is done with um, the power costs of your dice, are what you use to play down your cards. And man, the system that was developed here in this card game. And then all of the releases, they re released the entire set. And what was actually a really kind of cool thing is that if you already bought into the original set, you could actually buy an upgrade pack that upgrades all of your cards from the old set into the new set because they did do some rebalancing. Man, this was a huge success that we did a, um, that Rob and I did a little um, challenge. On our YouTube channel, where we did a best of seven, kind of going back and forth, picking new um, uh, uh, Phoenix Borns to battle each other. If you want to take a look at that, go over to the YouTube channel because we use the pre constructed decks so you can kind of see what you were getting in each of the pre constructed decks. Um, we did some exhibition matches, and oh, like we had an absolute blast with this game and I can't wait to see what they are going to further do with this game because we have had some um, news releases that they are gonna continue supporting the game with releasing some new Phoenix borns every about, oh, I think about they say every quarter they're kind of going for in this, in this release model. So really um, excited, I've got my decks pre-ordered because I can, can see this being one of my most played games um go f- going forward so my big surprise from 2021 was the how much i enjoyed and how much i loved ashes reborn rises the phoenix born by plaid hat games um if you have not had a chance to check this game out yet, yeah, definitely um go give it a look because like i said the card play is so clever and so deep and the really kind of the neat thing too is that every card can go with every deck just as long as you have some dice in your dice pool that can activate that possible card the deck building um, restrictions are almost it's pretty much unlimited um, so many cool things that I've kind of discovered along the ways too like there's a website out there ashes.live that there's a whole bunch, there's a whole community out there that have already been putting together their own decks and sharing them with the with the world. And oh man, I can't wait to start up maybe a community here in Bridge City Board Gamer Land um, for Ashes Reborn. I really, really want to see it. I want to play it um, competitively. I want to play it for fun. I want to play it in all sorts of different iterations. Um, there's ways to do a draft with it. I haven't even explored that, but it sounds really, really kind of cool. Okay. You kind of got, I'm really excited about Ashes Reborn. It was my surprise hit of 2021 for me. So, yeah. Oh. Okay. Now I can catch my breath. Okay, folks. Happy New Year's. Hope your gaming is successful in 2022. And yes, once again, Happy New Year's. And I will check in with you folks uh, next time.
9: Hi, I'm Shay. And I'm David. And you're listening to... What You Been Playing, a weekly podcast featuring a bunch of awesome Canadian creators, board game podcast creators, radio show hosts, including us, Jay and David from Board on the Air.
10: Yeah, and tonight's a special week where we're going to do, or everybody's doing their number one surprise in gaming. Yeah. Uh, For us... Because we didn't get to a lot of game nights and stuff like that, I didn't get introduced to any games that I really didn't research.
9: Yeah, they were all, all the games, most of the games we played were ones that we bought. Yes. For ourselves.
10: Yes. Uh, but my biggest surprise of the year, what I'm going to go with as my biggest surprise of the year, is a very big box
9: game. <laughs> this was the only one I could think of when we were talking about this.
10: Yeah, it's so. This is a game that I had seen but hadn't really done any research into because everybody had talked about how heavy it was. Yeah, right, and it sort of scared me away. Uh, and the designer was known for heavy stuff, and so I didn't really gravitate to this one. Uh, it showed up a couple of times, and I had talked to somebody about it. So I was starting to do my research on it when Shay was asked to paint the minis for this one.
11: Yes,
9: absolutely.
10: Uh, this game is Anachrony.
9: If you've listened to our show at all, you know that we love this game this yeah.
10: year. I-, I thought, as I dug into it a little bit, and as I said, I didn't do a whole lot of research into this like I do most games that I'm going to look at or buy or anything like that. Uh, it looked interesting. Mm-hmm. It looked like something I would like. I didn't expect to love it as much as I do. Yeah. Right? I have bought all the expansions. I'm waiting for the base game to come back into print. I'm going to get the, you know, the infinity box to fill it up with. And the game we played of this, we were all blown away by it.
9: It was spectacular. Yeah. like Like, it was, it is exactly, like, based on how big that game is, I do think it was such a surprise when we pulled it out, set it all up, and then realized how good it was.
10: Yeah. And, and the teach actually was very smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was another su- part of that surprise is how easy, not easy, but how smooth it was to teach and play and and walk away from the game wanting more. Yeah. Uh, this is a fairly dry Euro, uh, but it is very thematic. Absolutely. Uh, it's the beautiful. With the miniatures and everything. Uh, it's it surprised me the most this year of the games that we played that I wasn't wasn't fully aware of at the start.
9: Yeah, I didn't know what this game was until I got the miniatures to paint them. Like even when Ryan asked me if I would like to, I mean he asked me through you. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what this game was. I was just like, yeah, miniatures to paint. You know, I just finished. Uh, Journey to Middle Earth, like yeah, let's go for it, right? And yeah, I'm I just can't believe how much we enjoyed it. Um, I certainly didn't think when we got that big a box. I honestly thought it was gonna scare me off. Like I don't like big, big, heavy games, right? Um, and that's what this one looked like, but it's not.
10: Yeah. So I I guess the other surprise was when we went to pick up the miniatures for you to paint. He's like, "Do you want to take the whole box? You just
9: want to take the whole box? (laughs) Yeah, go play it." Uh, Yeah, it was. I would agree. I think when we were talking about this topic, like I said, it's the only one I can think of that, based on the fact we haven't played a lot of other people's games this year, that really I didn't know about, I didn't do any research on, and then we got it to the table and went, wow, this is good. I mean, it made number one on both of our lists for our top 10 this year.
10: Yeah. So. Yeah, and the only other one that sort of popped into my brain was Bonfire. Based on how much of I, how uh-huh. much I liked it, I knew I was gonna like it, but same thing. I didn't expect for it to be near Castles of Burgundy good.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
10: Okay, I'm David, and I'm Shay, and we will talk to you next week.
9: Have a good night.
12: Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. If you've got a question for me, all you have to do is email me at questions at tabletopbellhop.com or visit our webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop. You can also hit me up on social media where I can be found everywhere as Tabletop Bellhop one word. So the question I'm answering today is, what was my biggest surprise, gaming-wise, of 2021? For this question, I'm going to guess most of my fellow What You Been Playing contributors are going to talk about the new hotness. But, as usual for the Tabletop Bellhop, that's not the case here. My biggest surprise this year is a game that was actually published first in 2016. That is the Adventure Card Game from Ulysses Spiel. Now, late in 2020, I was contacted by a rep from them who asked if we'd be interested in checking the game out. Now, as a fan of other card driven adventure games like the Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game and the Pathfinder adventure card game, I jumped at the chance to check it out. I'm a big fan of fantasy RPG style gaming. Now, what I didn't expect is that Ulysses Spiel would send me pretty much everything published for Adventuria ever, including a stack of stuff that wasn't even officially released in North America yet, stuff that was part of a successful Kickstarter earlier this year. Now, a bit lost with this huge pile of stuff, I got in touch with my contact, Ulysses Spiel, and talked to them about where to start. And from there, I broke out the core box in May of this year and was immediately blown away. Now, Eventury is a fantasy card game that can be played two ways. The first is a duel mode, which has players each choose a character to play, customize the decks for those characters, and then battle them against each other with the last person standing winning. Now, this mode of gameplay plays like most other dueling card games, and honestly to me feels the most like Magic the Gathering, with more D&D style elements tossed in with things like rolling to hit, rolling for damage, and upgrading your equipment. While well, this version of play is well done and quite fun, it just didn't grab me. What did win me over is the other mode of play, which is a cooperative adventure mode. Here players still pick a hero, the core box comes with four, customizes that hero's deck if they wish to, and then everyone goes on an adventure together. Now the core box comes with two short one-act adventures and a longer three-act event. In each of these, you get a full story, including some skill checks along the way, leading to what's basically a boss battle, each of which managed to feel totally unique due to the brilliance of the Aventuria mechanic. Now, one of the things I like most about Aventuria is its card play system. Uh, going back to the Magic the Gathering compar- comparison, Endurance replaces mana as the resource you need to put your cards into play and to use them once they're out. Now, each turn you're going to draw two cards, put them in your hand, and then you have the option to convert two of your cards into Endurance by putting them face down on the table. Now, this is a super hard and interesting choice as you're forced, in effect, to remove some of your cards from play in order to use your other cards that are still in your deck. And figuring out what to keep and what to convert to endurance is a huge part of the game. I also really like the use of dice here for attacking, damage, dodging, and also for figuring out what the baddies do each turn. You're not going to find any complicated gloomhaven AI here. You just roll a d20 for each monster in play, and the monster's card tells you what they do on each result. All of the d20 dice rolling really gives that pen and paper RPG feel to the game. Now, after getting hooked on the core box set just this year, we've also played through the Master Tailor's Poltergeist adventure. We checked out the Veil Dancer Hero set and played through the short adventure in there. We cracked open Arsenal of Heroes, which comes with custom dice, organized play rules for dueling, which I gotta admit I never did try, and lots of cards for customizing your hero decks. Then we broke open Wheel of Life, which gives you some deluxe health trackers for the heroes. We played through the adventures in the Forest of No Return and the Ship of Lost Souls. Each of those are expansions that feature more short and long adventures, and each had more heroes in them. So one new hero in Forest of No Return and one in Ship of Lost Souls. Each one of these box sets and expansions has added something new to the game, and every one of them has been appreciated. More heroes means more choices, both on what characters to play and when constructing decks. Each new quest adds more henchmen and villains and sometimes event cards, things that then get mashed into decks that can then come back in future adventures you play. New monster types have been added like swarms, and Ship of Lost Souls even added rules for cursed pirate treasure. I can't overstate just how much we've been enjoying the Aventuria Adventure Card Game. It just has us hooked. My wife and I enjoy playing it two-player, often doing so on date nights. We've now hooked our friends, Tori and Kat. And even Sean's gotten down to Windsor to play it a couple times in person. And we've even played on Tabletop Simulator, where everything from the core box is available on for free. I honestly think this is the best Adventure Card Game out there. I'm enjoying it way more than any other fantasy RPG-based card game I own. While it still won't replace sitting down at a table and playing a game of Warhammer or Dungeons and Dragons for me, this game really does capture the feel of going on a fantasy RPG adventure. So yeah, the biggest surprise for me in 2021 was discovering the Adventury Adventure card game from Ulysses Spiel. Ulysses Spiel is over in Germany. Uh, This is a non-collectible card game. It's set in the world of The Dark Eye, which is actually Germany's most popular pen and paper RPG called Das Schwarzog over there. Now, it is distributed in North America by Studio 2 Publishing. And I have to say, I'm sorry, but yes, right now it is very hard to find. Pretty much out of print everywhere. But don't worry, a new printing is coming. And there's a bunch of new stuff coming with that Kickstarter that launched earlier this year. Global shipping delays and everything else going on in the world right now does have things delayed, but it is coming. Personally, I can't wait to dive into more of the stuff they sent me. Um, next, I think we're going to do Ship of Stone, which is a bridging adventure between Forest of No Return and Ship of Lost Souls. And I'm really looking forward to cracking open the Treasure Hunter Hero Pack to have someone new to play. So thank you for joining me for this segment of a special, biggest surprise episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. My biggest surprise, the Adventury Adventure Card game. Be sure to check out TabletopBellhop.com and our weekly podcast, which we record live on Twitch Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern and which drops on your podcatcher of choice Tuesday mornings at 2 a.m. as long as you subscribe. And why wouldn't you subscribe? For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzman, the Tabletop Bellhop. Good night and game on.
13: Hi, this is Andrew Buckle of BoardingGame.com, and I'm here to talk about my biggest surprises here. For me, the biggest surprise is how well it's worked to play a lot of the GMT coin games via email over Vassal. The coin or counterinsurgency series is a ga- series from GMT games that has 10 volumes currently out with several more on the way. The series started with Andean Abyss in 2012, which was designed by Volko Runke. That game covers insurgency and counterinsurgency in Colombia, but the series since then has gone on to a wide range of conflicts, from Ancient Rome with Falling Sky, through the American Revolution with Liberty or Death, through Arthurian Britain in Pendragon and there are many more out in the series as well. I spoke about liberty or death on the American Revolution on the August 11th edition of this podcast, and I covered Falling Sky on Julius Caesar's campaigns in Gaul on the September 8th edition. I also talked about Colonial Twilight on the Franco-Algerian conflict on November 17th. But the surprise I'm here to talk about is how well these games work using the play-by-email options over Vassal. Vassal is free software that works very well for a lot of war games in particular. Uh, you can find it at vassalengine.org. And once you install the software, you can then install modules for any particular game that has a module on there. Prior to this year, I'd used Vassal for live online plays against friends in different locations, and it works great for that. But it also works really well as a play-by-email system, which is great for some longer games that you may not have time to do all in one uninterrupted span. How this works is you create a game log in Vassal, which records your moves. You can type text explaining your moves as well, and then you end the log when you're done your turn and you send it via email or via Dropbox to your opponent. They then download that file, play through your turn by advancing the play button, and then create their own file in response once they're done. And you can go through entire games like this. What works particularly well with the coin series for this is that there usually isn't a lot of hidden information in these games. Rather than a setup where each player has a hand of cards, in most of these games, you're playing on the same card and you can either see the one card that's currently available or the two cards, one of which is available and one of which is coming next. So that means there's also a lot less interrupts where somebody might do something in the middle of your turn. It's more of an I go, you go system and that works very well for exchanging turn files by email. The other thing to mention here is that while Colonial Twilight of the coin series is the only specifically two-player game, a lot of these other titles have worked out really well as two-player games. Most of them contain options in the rules for if you only have two players, one of you controls these two factions and the other one controls these two. There are also automated bots that you can run for factions where you don't have enough players. I prefer to do it with each of us running two factions and so far that approach has worked out really well in Andean Abyss, in Cuba Libre, in Liberty or Death, in Falling Sky, and in *Pendragon*. In closing, I want to thank my opponents for who have been playing these games with me. That would be Don Lyles and David Scholdelhammer. And for any of you out there who are curious about the coin series, I think that two-player games asynchronously by email over vassal can be a really good way to learn it. It gives you enough time to steady your move, think about it carefully, and consult the rules to make sure you can do what you're trying to do. And these games can often be long in person, especially if you're newer to the system, so doing it in a turn-based way over email may be an easier way to get into it at first. If anyone's ever interested in learning one of these games this way, you can hit me up on Twitter at Andrew Buckles. That's B-U-C-H-O-L-T-Z. You can also find my board game writing at BoardingGame.com. Thanks for listening
11: hey
14: everybody my name is chris morris from mozart games and i am back with cardboard conjecture another time for what you've been playing wednesday but this time we're not talking about what we've been playing we're talking about our biggest gaming surprises of 2021 Now, I had a really hard time trying to come up with a big surprise from this year. Uh, I haven't played a ton of new games. I have played a bunch of games that are new to me. Um, But I didn't find anything that really jumped out at me as being a big surprise. Uh, Games like Dinosaur World, um, Nidavalier, Brew, Overboss, those were all great games that I played this year, but they didn't really surprise me. So I had a really tough time trying to pick out one game that really shocked me from 2021. So I decided to go a little bit of a different route with this week's episode. For me, and probably most of you, the pandemic has completely changed in-person gaming. Before all the restrictions came into place, we had a weekly game night where we'd have lots of people that would come and show up week after week after week. Sometimes we had small groups, but quite often we'd have six, eight, 12 people all in a small space playing board games and having a great time. And I loved those large game nights. But since the beginning of the pandemic, when we started to get back into in-person gaming, I've really enjoyed the smaller game nights with two, three people. Um, It's really given me a much more personal way to connect and play games. And I found that those, those really small two, three, four player game nights have really been my biggest surprise of 2021. Again, I used to really live for the weeks that we would have a whole bunch of people show up. We'd have multiple tables going with all sorts of different games being played. And you could hear us, all the fun and excitement that was being had uh, from those tables. But I'm not really looking forward to those quite so much as I used to. I really am picking and choosing the people that I play games with a little bit more closely and trying to get the most out of each of those nights that I, that I am gaming. Um, I played with, I think, 16 different players in person this year, uh, spread over the last 12 months, but a few of them really stuck out for me. Uh, I had a few close friends that we would play a little bit more often with, and, and those are the times that I've really enjoyed, a little bit more so than these larger game nights that we used to have. And I think that's something that for me going forward, I'm definitely looking forward to more and more often. Not so much these big, huge, epic 12-hour game sessions with a whole pile of people coming and going, but just being able to sit down with two or three friends, having a couple of drinks, having a good time talking, and playing some great games with their company. Having a little bit more of that personal experience. That's really been an eye-opening motion for me Um, for 2021. Uh, The fact that my whole gaming habits have changed so much uh, since 18 months ago. Now that's not to say that I'm never going to do those big huge epic game nights again by any stretch. When things open up and we're able to do that sort of thing again, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm also really looking forward to being able to go to a convention like like Shucks and being able to be in a place with a ton of different people and getting to meet people for the first time or, or, you know, seeing somebody face-to-face for the first time that I've only known online. Those are definitely moments that I'm really looking forward to, but those regular game nights with just a couple of people, I think that's what I look forward to more than anything else. And it's also changed the way that I'm looking to purchase new games, not so much something that's going to appeal to a large number of people, but really trying to key in on what game am I going to be able to get to the table with these two or three people more often than not. And that's really kind of changed my long term planning when I'm looking to buy board games. Games like Obsession um, really, really struck a good chord with a bunch of the people that I play with, and that's a game that I will play any single time with uh, with my group of, of friends. Um, games like Dinosaur World, we've played it a couple of times, everybody's loved it, and I'm really looking forward to those three four-player game nights of Dinosaur World. I've also been buying a lot of Legendary uh, from Marvel uh, recently because my brother and I have been able to play that online with one another. We've rigged up a system where we're each playing on Zoom, we have our card decks and everything in front of us and it's worked out really well and it's given me so many hours of enjoyment just playing that. And that's really where i'm focusing sort of my attention going forward into buying games or making trades and picking up things and trying new new games is really trying to figure out what's going to give me the greatest enjoyment with two or three people at the table and that's been a big change for me from what i was used to in the past now i'm still really looking forward to being able to play Cthulhu Wars with six, seven, or eight people, Um, but that's going to be like a once in a year type of event, something that we're going to have to really plan for and and make a set date and time as to when we're going to do something like that. And just looking over at the collection of games that I've got right now, I really think that I've been able to to hone down and really try to get those games that are going to get to the table more often and are going to give us enjoyment when we're playing them. Things like Tapestry. Things like Arcadia Quest, uh, Obsession, like I mentioned before, uh, Oceans from North Star Games. Those are all great games that I know that we're going to play over and over and over again and always have a good time when we do it. So I think that's really been my biggest surprise for myself for 2021, is really coming to the realization that these epic game nights that we used to have with a ton of people probably going to be more of a thing in the past, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm thrilled with that, actually. And I'm really looking forward to those smaller, more personal game nights with just the people that are closest to me and that we can have a great time socializing and enjoying that experience more so than not. So, again, that's myself, Chris Morris from Mozart Games. Um, you can find me on Twitter as Spider Mo. if you want to give me a follow. Uh, I post a few things about my ongoing struggles as a game designer and a lot of me complaining about random stuff, whether that be hockey, Formula One, or just the weather in general. Thanks for giving me a listen as to my biggest surprise of 2021, and I hope that everybody has a great, safe, and prosperous new year, and may all of your dice rolls be critical successes
15: hi i'm matt and i'm john and we're friday night games
16: and you can check us out on instagram at friday night games underscore official twitter at friday night gms and our website friday night games. yes you can so what are we talking about today john
15: Oh, we're going to talk about the biggest surprise of 2021. What was that? Um, that we got tons of gas. On our week. flight. Yeah. <laughs> at PAX
16: Unplugged. Yes, yeah, it's definitely. It's 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 it. I hope you listen to that episode. It was actually really funny. Uh,
15: <laughs> we are. Uh, I'm going to talk about probably one of my favorite games that we played this year. And I'm going
16: to agree with you on it, probably. Probably. What yeah. game is that?
15: Uh, so this little game that was sent to us called uh, "That Time You Killed Me."
16: Nice that game. <clears throat> that game. Best game we played all year, hands down.
15: Yeah. So what's cool about it is you are a uh, the inventor of time travel. In parentheses, maybe.
16: Maybe. Maybe. One of the two inventors.
15: Uh, basically, what it, it's kind of like th- 40 chest. chess, 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 40 chess. Um, but what's cool about it? There's these. Uh, there is a past board, a present board, and a future board. Things you do in the past affect the future. Um, you can time travel between each board. Um, and then, what's really awesome about the game is that it uh, it introduces you the new different um, mechanics um, through scenarios. So it's kind of like a like almost legacy esque. And then, uh, so you learn what each thing does. And then at the end of it, you can, uh, you know, play however you want and, uh, you know, mix, mix two of the mechanics together, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's envelopes as you achieve certain things that give you a little bit more variable player powers.
16: It get, yeah, it gets, it basically gives you all these games in one. Right. And every game can be different because you could you can, you can, org- you can choose different skill sets right and it's really well written it's actually written by someone who writes comedy i can't remember the person's name but it's really well written
15: yeah so yeah the rule book's hilarious um but i really like the fact that if you do something in the past so like the first the first uh mechanic that you learn about is it's called grow so it's tree so you plant a seed in the past it grows a shrub in the present and in the future it grows a tree and how you interact with those things um affect you know you're trying to kill the other person and get them off the board right. so you can use these new these things like if you plant a tree and you land and it plants on someone's space or whatever um they they die in the game stuff like that. so it's just really really cool really very thought out game that has tons and tons and tons of replayability you and i played it like 30 or 40 times
16: and who knew chess would be so amazing exactly right and that's one of the things that stood out right so
15: so that, that was my biggest surprise. I, I read about it when they were doing some marketing for it, and I was like, that game sounds really awesome. Um, I was actually like really surprised that the Panasaurus game sent it to us, and uh, I'm very very happy at how much I love that game because yeah. it was great.
16: I'm not surprised. Once we played it, uh, everything's so clever. Everything's so well done. Um, there's a million scenarios. The writing's amazing. Everything in, everything put into that game is very good. The only one thing someone may argue is there's only two-player which could be a downside if you have a bigger play group, but yeah. other than that, it's fantastic. So my biggest surprise—I mean, I guess I have a couple. Uh, so I totally agree with you. Best game we played was that game. Um, I think it's weird. Uh, I didn't expect to get into Magic
11: <laughs> so much. <laughs> so
16: that was a big surprise to me. Yeah. I actually think on a previous podcast, I ended up like tearing down Magic too. I'm like, I can never get into that again. I'll never do it. And then here I am. Yeah. Playing commander every Tuesday night at my local card <laughs> store. So that was one big surprise. Yeah. Uh, another big surprise was we actually got to play games again. Yeah. Uh, so the first half of the year, we didn't Canada. Our our town was on lockdown. We didn't, but we got to play games again, which was really nice.
15: Yep. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to interject here. Um, you know, some of you may know that Matt and I decided to stop podcasting, which I guess was a big surprise to a lot of people that is i know we, we, we've been talking about it for a little while now but uh since we made that decision we've been actually playing games in our library that we actually want to play and get through and we've been playing them so like we played uh unfathomable instead of playing it once we, we spent a month playing it every week which was fantastic
16: yeah actually and we did the same thing with uh gloomhaven
15: yeah so we're going through the gloomhaven jaws of the lion scenarios and uh I'm really looking forward to just deep diving into the games we really want to play. That
16: was a surprise. Yeah, because we we you know t- talked to us seven months ago, we'd be like, no, we're always podcasting. Yeah, but then we realized we're running out of ideas, and we're like, okay, we're out of
15: here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was more so ideas. It's more of the the amount of work we're putting in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we
16: and uh, you can hear about it this week. We're yeah, gonna have yeah, a podcast. We're gonna have a podcast
15: about it. But uh, you know, we just. We wanted to play our our games that we own.
16: Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big surprise. It actually is a big surprise. We just keep saying big surprise. Big surprise. Big surprise. <laughs> we <laughs> need like a bell. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, I guess the big surprise is just how much we like playing a single game over and over and over. Yeah. It really helps us uh, get into the game more. And then the final big surprise, ding a ling a ling is uh, we went to a convention. Mm-hmm. So we actually got to go to PAX Unplugged even though we stunk up a whole airplane with our farts.
15: I think the biggest surprise from that is that we didn't get COVID.
16: I don't know. This podcast hasn't been released yet. So <laughs> by the time this gets released, we might have actually tested. positive. one of us might have tested positive for COVID. We did get PCR tests when we got back. So yeah. we'll, we'll let you know. We'll yeah, make yeah. a big thing of it too. Yeah.
15: <laughs> so far so good.
16: Yeah. But it was nice being at a convention and then seeing that they actually cut down the numbers of packs on which is really nice. Um, but it was nice seeing so many gamers just enthusiastic to go out, purchase games, play games, enjoy that type of atmosphere. Uh, I really like the convention scene. Yep. I like going to it because that's one of the best places to play as many games as you can and demo as much as you can. So I was very happy to go to that. Yeah, me too. I was not, although when I was there, I was kind of really worried about COVID, but hopefully I don't get it. I, I guess one of the best things you had to be fully vaccinated and, and you had to wear a mask the whole time. Yeah. So hopefully that, Preventive measure helped us, but I think it did. We'll
15: find out. Yeah, we'll see. Cool. Well, uh, surprise. going, <laughs> <laughs> going. Surprise, we actually recorded something for this. <laughs>
16: <laughs> All right. So, it's been a while. uh, it's been a while. if you like what you hear, uh, that's
15: it. <laughs> uh, you can follow follow me on Instagram. I'm I'm gonna still post things there. Friday night games underscore official.
16: You might hear us from time to time beyond this uh, segment. Yeah, so yeah.
15: we we won't we won't uh, we won't forget what you've been playing Wednesdays. So yeah. Keep listening. Keep listening. Thanks everyone. Thanks. Ding a ling a <laughs> ling.
0: Hey everybody, it's Norm here from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, as everyone's been saying, this is a special uh, episode where we talk about our uh, our greatest, our biggest moments this year in gaming. And uh, I'm going to break mine down into three areas. And uh, uh, the first area, I want to talk about the game, the biggest surprise game for me this year was uh, mind management by Jay Cormier and Sen Lim, published by uh, Off the Page Games. And uh, what, uh, what was the biggest surprise for me was, my uh, first of all, how I clicked into this game is uh, the art. That cover, for some reason, clicked in with my nostalgic mind of that, that bygone era of Cold War, of... of, uh, of I mean, the, the art style of Matt Kent was so appealing to the itch in my brain that, boom, it was a magnet. Uh, I had to understand and I had to know what was going on underneath this box. So once I started to do the research, I realized that it was a, uh, a graphic novel series by Matt Kent that I can't get my hands on, but uh, I'll find a way. I'll find a way. And um, uh, so what, uh, what, what transpired was, uh, was Off the Page Games, a new publishing company by, uh, by Jay and Sen. Um, want to uh, put these great uh, IP, all this great content into uh, and transpose it uh, into a game format. And what they did with this one, without understanding the the Matt Kent story, is the the general overview is it's a it's a, a, a like psychic espionage game, and uh, it is by far the best version of this mechanic. Of hidden movement that I've that I found yet. Now again, a lot of people are going to argue, but for me at least, um, I was surprised how taken uh, I was and I am to this game. And uh, just to give a quick little you know summary, hidden movement. Uh, I'm I'm out going to recruit uh, uh, possible potential psychics. And uh, some ra- some uh, radical uh, uh, separatist, from my point of view, separatist. But uh, the rebel uh, group that are trying to overthrow the the the, the dictatorship of this organization um, is trying to uh, catch me. And uh, without going into crazy detail, they have this ex- excellent system of um, uh, of. Uh, and from my educational point of view, it's a scaffolding system, right? So that everything is kept in balance. Math teachers will love this. The equation tries to be balanced all the time. Um, and how that works is if you are uh, the uh, uh, investigator, if you're the recruiter and you lose, you get to open up a box, which gives you a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a dimension, and a little bit of asymmetry to what you're used to and uh, takes the game into it, you know, puts another switch on the game and uh, you've got several boxes on both sides to open. So if all of a sudden one side gets too dominant, well, the other side scaffolds until the point where they win. And then, you know, the other side of the table gets to open up a box. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. And then once everything's unlocked, you can pick and choose what you want to use, how you want to use it. Right. Um, So for me, the, uh, their approach. And we, had, we also had the benefit on Cardboard Conjecture to interview both of the designers in our designer series. And uh, uh, as I said, uh, myself from the instructional designer point of view, I, uh, I, was, I was just uh, happy to, to understand the background uh, going into the design of this game. So yes, I had so much fun. That was such a pleasant surprise for me this year. Um, the next one I want to tell you know, The next phase I want to talk about is uh, my surprise uh, publisher, right? Uh, I'm kind of breaking the rules a bit, but hey, I'm going to break the rules. Sorry, eh? Um, my f- breakout surprise publisher for me um, is flat-out games. Uh, first, dr- the you know uh, first drew my attention with Point Salad. I couldn't stop playing it. And uh, so let me just like from from the last couple years, uh, let's let me run through the stellar lineup that this publishing company has created and put to, put on the uh, on the shelves for us. Uh, like I said, point salad. Um, then we have fit to print um, coming out soon as Verdant. Cascadia, which was my favorite game of the year this year. Uh, Calico, which um, if it was out this year, it would have made my list, but it was out last year. Uh, Truffle Shuffle, uh, Dollars to Donuts, Public Market, uh, 10, Ryan raves about uh, the, this card game 10. Um, and they have a few others that I haven't played yet, but wow, Public Market also made my uh, my top 10 uh, games of the year. So well done, well done to that team of uh, it's like a think tank of of uh, game designers there. Wonderful, wonderful, and uh, so yeah, flatout Games keep on doing such a great job on uh, putting out such uh, a uh, accessible uh, game to a lot of uh, a lot of people and interests and and w- the easiest way I could say it. Thank you for scratching that itch in the brain for a lot of gamers. So. Well done, flat out games now the last thing I want to talk about is uh, biggest surprises in gaming for me really had nothing to do with gaming and that is uh, what happened here with what you've been playing Wednesday and uh, like the idea the people the community now uh, it, it was just an idea book idea hey let's do let's if, uh, if there's some Canadians out there eh um, it'll be you know big shiny tunes let's do. A weekly big shiny tunes of the games that that you know uh, made it to our table and and we want to talk about uh, and for people that are my age we call that KTEL. I'll take you give you a moment to pause on that one. Um, uh, so yeah, go look that one up. Um, uh, yeah, so th- th- to me uh, it was uh, I've got like thousands of ideas, but this one was like hmm, I think there's something here so we we started working on this uh and we started first <laughs> uh, um Ryan probably Ryan is the one who pushed the idea over the edge and uh on week 1 was like all right let's go and so yes January the first week in January we started uh um this idea and we started with a small community and it kept growing and growing and growing and um we, uh yeah i am so proud i i can't even explain how proud i am of uh this, this, um, the people that are part of this, um, the friends that we've made with, uh, <laughs> I mean, during a pandemic, I think this was representative of our need to be social creatures. We now are forced to be stuck behind screens. So poo-poo on that, I can still make friends. We can still connect. We can still uh, um, become familiar with each other. Even through a screen, and we hope that that the sound of our voices let that screen fade away for just a moment and uh, I think yeah that to me that was that was the quintessential uh, hidden objective for me was was connect I need to connect this hobby is about connecting so that was uh, what stemmed into this growth of a community now and we've and 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 speaking of community, what do you want to do in your community? You want to get together, so um, we we kind of started uh, throwing around. Another idea was maybe we should have a "What You've Been Playing" Wednesday con, and uh, yeah, that's in the works. And everybody, the, it was it was like a bunch of meerkats. I you know threw that one out there, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom! All these, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. So yay, yay for us, eh? Um, so that to me, that's uh, the three biggest surprises of uh, pleasant surprises and and uh, and warm in the heart surprises too, of uh, 2021. And uh, I am I'm open. Um, I'm you know like everybody, a little anxious, a little you know uh, uh, apprehensive, but uh, let's go 2022. Let's see what's out there. And uh, as always. Thank you so much, so much for listening. And uh, huge, big hug thank you to uh, all the contributors and all the community in what you've been playing Wednesday, all the cast members. Thank you, thank you, thank you um, for being a part of this. And uh, as always, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? <music>